1: Welcome back to our live locker room Q&A podcast, which we answer all of your questions uh, with answers, because that's how you answer a question on the locker room app here on uh, all your Apple products. Uh, you can download the app um, with me. My, I haven't done this. It's been two weeks and I'm a little rusty here. Uh, my name is Jeremy Reisman. You can find me at Detroit Online on Twitter. I'm the editor in chief of Pride of Detroit. With me are my two co-host panelists, whatever you want to call them, Ryan Matthews at Ryan underscore POD. Ryan, how are we doing?
2: It's Saturday, and it feels like we're getting back into the getting back into the stride of things. You know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Back here, at
2: the locker room app on your
1: iOS devices. There you, you go. Help you out, man. <laughs> Appreciate that. Our other co-host panelist is Eric Schlitt, the managing editor of Friday Detroit. You can find him at Eric Schlitt on Twitter. Eric, how are we doing this weekend?
3: I, I'm feeling rusty, too. I feel like uh, this is <laughs> we've got to get back in a rhythm here.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's been two weeks since we've done one of these. Um, I would say a, a a small amount of things have happened since then. Uh, <laughs> an, an NFL draft has happened. Uh, on Johnson has... Left the Detroit Lions and, and joined the 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 Isle of Misfit Lions over there in, in Philadelphia. <laughs> um, a, a tight end has retired. All sorts of stuff, uh, and we're gonna talk about it all, or we'll talk about whatever you guys want to talk about. Because cool thing about the locker room app is that we get to hear from you guys. You guys get to join our little speaker rec- request queue. We take questions from you and, and give you answers. And if you guys want to give some thoughts as well, we're, we're you know the the the. The floor is open for, for everyone. So let's kick things off. Um, with uh, We got Alex in the waiting room. Alex, how you doing, man?
4: Hi, hey guys. How's it going? Good, good. Uh, Sorry, I, I know you guys aren't big and talking draft this early again, and we just got <laughs> over with it. Uh, well, Jeremy, I know you're a big draft guy. <laughs> so, Nailed uh, it, yeah. I I had me thinking over the draft because Brian Holmes was going um, best player available, and next year's class, it, I don't think we necessarily need to look for a quarterback if uh, golf is just average because we still have a lot of holes to fill, and two of the top prospects would be a defensive end and a corner. Do you think they would go corner and if they go top five?
1: Eric, you know I'm going to pass this one to you first. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, I, I think if you're in the top five again, you really have to consider um, you have to consider quarterback. Uh, going top five corners uh, would be a bit early for me. I, I in my opinion. The edge is really the edge. Guys are really interesting to me. If they're in the top ten, there's going to be a couple of those guys that are going to, uh, you know, stand out. But really, if you, if they play bad enough, where they're picking in the top five, it's probably going to be because of the quarterback play, and you'd really need to look at that. But it's it's so far out now. We really don't know what the quarterbacks are going to look like. Um, you know, there's there's small school guys. That uh, from Liberty, there's uh, you know Big Twelve guys from like Oklahoma, and so th- it's all over the map. But it, it's it's just it's too soon to really start. I think speculating on that.
1: Ryan, do you, do you want me to give you the floor to talk about Malik Willis a little bit because I know you're excited about him. I think it's kind of early for that, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't want
2: to have to take a cold shower like three minutes into the locker room podcast. So <laughs> that's um, fair. Yeah, I, I'm with Eric that I think it, it's it's got to be you got to turn your attention to quarterback. I think if the Lions are picking in the top five, they do have that added draft capital where maybe they can maneuver around with another team that maybe isn't in the market for a quarterback. So um, I, I think that's that's where you definitely have to turn your attention towards. But then again, that's all predicated on you know the kind of season that Jared Goff has this year. Yeah,
3: you, you know what's most interesting about this quarterback class is that. While there's no standout like top prospects, there's probably like thirteen prospects that could all elevate themselves into the top contention. So it's it's gonna be a very interesting college season to uh to watch and, and, and evaluate. All right, fair
1: enough. Uh thanks for the question, Alex. If you if you got another one you can jump right back into the queue if you'd like.
0: Thank
1: uh, you. Yeah, no problem. Let's uh let's bring John aboard. John, can you hear us? Yep. Hey, Sounds how's it going, good.
5: man? Not too bad. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Um, I'm already, I guess I'm, they've got three positions still left on the roster, so I'm always looking for, um, I feel like I'm always looking for new bodies. Yeah. Um, does anyone know, there was that Bobby McCain that went to Washington. It didn't look like he signed there. Um, he seemed like a great candidate for us to look at, just because he was a team captain. I don't know what the issues were with him. In Miami and why they cut him. It didn't seem like you had that big a salary. Even. Um, do you have any sort of feedback on what, whether that's a possibility or whether he fits us or whether it makes sense at
1: all? Yeah. So you're talking about Bobby McCain, uh, the Dolphins uh, safety, safety. Who, who's yeah who was released earlier this uh, this week. Um, Eric, yeah. do you have a do you have opinions on him?
3: Uh, you know, he was started last year for Miami. and he, Maybe he shouldn't have. Um, he's 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 average to me and um but with the the status of the lions i think i'd be looking at almost every safety that's out there um so uh, it's mccain's not somebody that i'm gonna you know dismiss just because he he was released but um you know i i think he's a guy who could fit into the system because the system is is safety friendly right um in my opinion, there's a couple other guys I'd be looking at first. Uh, you know, we wrote I wrote that article earlier in the week about um, Malik Cooker and uh, Trey Boston. and so um, Vicaro. Um, yeah, Vicaro was in that on that list. I, I, I put I added him in because of his connection to uh, AG, but right. uh, I, I'm not actually a big Vicaro fan. Um, but I, I, I'm not. I'm. I'm looking at every safety, and, and McCain would be fine. It. It wouldn't be someone that I'd be, you know, jumping out of my seat for though.
5: Okay, he seemed like as a team captain, mm-hmm. yeah, and he was health as a, and healthy most of the year. It just seemed like he would be a a great fit that might go work in the locker room with So I, I wasn't sure if there was other things, issues under the table or something that.
3: Um, no, he. With Miami. Yeah, you have to love the the uh, mental aspect. You have to love the character aspect. Those are two uh, very important things. I just think, as from a from a player standpoint, um, he, he's he's just not overly productive. And so, but but again, with uh, the status of the secondary, I, I'm not turning him away.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, here's the situation with McCain: is that he signed, you know, that four year extension uh, three years ago, so he was on the last year of his deal think back to what miami did in the um in the draft they did draft javon holland so Mm -hmm. they essentially drafted his replacement um and they've also been kind of just like poking around they they themselves even had a uh they had a meeting with malik hooker that you guys had already mentioned but they were able to save like a little over five million dollars by cutting him so you know they did save a good chunk of change they drafted his replacement they're kind of in the um you know, they're in the market for somebody else. But what I do like about McCain is that he made the transition from corner to safety. So I think that he has some positional versatility that the Lions would, would definitely be interested in. So it wouldn't shock me if I saw that he had a, a visit in Detroit anytime soon.
1: Fair. All right, John, thanks Great. for the question, man. Thanks a lot. All right, let's bring Kerry in next. Carrie, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing this beautiful
6: Saturday morning?
1: Uh great! Sun's out. I'm I'm ready to to spend the rest of the day after after this to just relax a little bit. Awesome, awesome. Well, you know, I was pretty
6: pretty um happy with the with the draft. I mean, you know, obviously everything is pretty cosmetic at this point until we actually go, you know, start, you know, practicing and actually start playing games next year. Um, little surprised with the uh, with the def- defensive line picks, but I still like them. Um, my question for you guys is that which undrafted free agent has the best chance uh, can be the most impactful and the best chance to even even
1: start. I think I'm, I'm going to throw this right back to you, Eric, because I know you kind of wrote a, a nice article there breaking down each of the UDFA's that the Lions have signed. Was there one in particular or a couple in
3: particular that that really stuck out to you? Uh, I don't. First of all, as as you know, problematic as, as spots are on this roster, I don't think any of the UDFA guys are going to challenge to start. Um, I just don't see it uh, based on the, the the personnel that they've they, they've brought in. So mm. things can always turn around, and with the UDF guys it's you know you usually get a much better impression of them when you can see them in person and so uh hopefully they're going to let us in in the spring to get a better feel for you know what these guys are capable of but as of right now i just don't see any of them necessarily you know challenging for anything significant but that being said there are a handful of guys that are very talented where there's thinner spots on the roster where they could play a role. My favorite guy, and, and we did this in uh, Ryan's superlatives article, we mm-hmm. talked about which UDFA guy we liked the best. Uh, my pick for that was Drake Jackson, the center out of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, center is a, a vital in, in position, and you know we just saw that with Frank Ragnow. But – I really don't have anybody behind him. So for me, I, I like the, the Drake Jackson ad- addition. Now, I, I'm hoping I never see him play on the field, uh, but that being said, I think he's a talented enough player where he can, you know, pay benefits, you know, off the field in practice and in, in, in other aspects. So uh, I went with Drake Jackson in my superlatives. Um, I don't remember who the other two guys went with, though, so I'm interested to hear what they think.
1: And just a quick thing on Drake Jackson is, we don't know who this team's backup center is anymore, because Joe I- Dahl was kind of the guy who was doing that before, and is it is it Logan Stenberg because he didn't look great at it during training camp last year? So
3: It's probably uh, it's probably Evan Brown, right? Cuz Evan Brown was maybe. the guy who filled yeah. in for Ragnar when Ragnar, you know, broke his throat. Right. And so um but I think Jackson's better.
1: Yeah. Uh Ryan, what do you what do you think about the UDFA class?
2: Um, you know, I, I, I think going into this draft with the limited amount of uh, draft capital that Holmes had, we all kind of expected a big UDFA class. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I think we also kind of forewarned everybody like, hey, you know, the Lions aren't going to be done in free agency. You know, they're going to they're going to they're gonna stick their nose in and they're going to see, you know, what other kind of uh, not even just camp bodies, but probably rotational bodies that they can add um, at this point. And that kind of got that, that accelerated when Josh Hill decided that he was going to retire and, you know, the Lions pick up Darren Fells, So, um, you know, for for my, in, in the superl- superlative article, uh, I just mentioned Sage Surratt again. Like, I don't, you know, I, I'm, I'm with Eric that I don't think that he will necessarily, you know, be a starter or earn any significant playing time. But I could definitely see him challenging Quintez Cephas for that big slot role. Um, but, uh, and I mean, because Sage Surratt is a guy who, you know, Eric reminded all of us, you know, these early mock drafts. Sage Rott was the guy who had a round one grade uh, at the beginning of the 2021 uh, draft season, um, you know, when things were, were really early. So um, yeah, I, I know Jeremy, your answer is is also the wide receiver position, right?
1: Yeah, uh, Notre Dame's Javon McKinley and a lot of that was just kind of based on the deal that we saw that he got, which a 100000 guaranteed and that's a that's a pretty big UDFA deal. Um, you don't tend to give you know, six digits to guys that you aren't necessarily going to even have a shot to make the team that are just camp bodies. He's an interesting guy who just, you know, there are complications, whether it's injuries or, you know, he had an arrest in 2019, um, didn't lead to uh, him playing too much at, at Notre Dame. So a project with, with a lot of the physical tools needed. He's a big bodied receiver type of guy. Um, the, the other guy I, I wanted to touch on really quick and, and It's because of another kind of deficiency on the roster. We don't know how it's going to be filled yet. Maybe it's Khalif Raymond, which is maybe judged by the fact that he talked to the media. He was one of the people that talked to the media this week, oddly enough. But I think the the returner position is still very much up for grabs. And D'Angelo Amos from uh, Virginia, who also plays safety, another big need. uh, He just he might have the easiest path to the roster in terms of just competition wise. Um, I'm not. I, I you know he was a fantastic punt returner there in, in, at Virginia, but um, I can't really speak much to the rest of the game.
3: I haven't really dug too deep in them on him as a safety yet. Well, let, let me expand a little bit more because like while I mentioned that I don't think there's necessarily a starter, they have 14 undrafted free agents and I could see 10 of them making the roster. You know what I mean? Like, honestly, yeah. because like if they keep a fourth fullback, Rakeem, uh, Rakeem Boyd is the fourth fullback, or is the fourth running back running right back. now. Yeah. Uh, Drake Johnson and Tommy Kramer, there's, there's spots on the back end of the offensive line. So both those guys are going to have a shot. Uh, Surratt, McKinley, Adams, all three of those guys are going to have a chance to be like a six wide receiver. If, if they decide to keep one of those, the, the, the cornerbacks are thin. So AJ Parker and Jerry Jacobs are going to have a shot. Amos could be a kick returner. Nick, Nick Pickett, who they just picked up, he could be uh, one of the reserve safeties, right? Like even even uh, Brock Wright for, a, as a third tight end because of the purge that's happened at tight end in the past two weeks, right? Like there's a path for almost all of those UDAF UDFAs to get to the roster at some point. I mean, even even Tavante Beckett, the 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 uh, off the ball linebacker who mm-hmm. doesn't really fit, he has the potential to be an excellent special teamer. And, and if you're really good at it, we've seen like with Miles Killebrew, you can make a living doing that, right? So there's a lot of, all these guys are going to have good opportunities to make the roster, I think.
1: Yeah. Awesome, guys. I appreciate it. Appreciate the question, Kerry. Thanks for joining us. Um, We are going to take our first break here. When we come back, we're going to be answering more of your questions about the draft, about Frank Ragnar, about whatever you guys want to talk about. As long as it's Lions football, we'll be right back here on the locker room Q and a.
0: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we are back
1: here on the Locker Room app answering your Lions questions for our Q&A podcast, our weekly Q&A podcast. If you want to join us Download the Locker Room app. Join us on Saturday mornings at 10.30 a.m. Eastern. Make sure you're just following the Pride of Detroit account on the Locker Room app. And with that, let's jump right back into questions. We've got Dan waiting for us. Dan, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Uh, how are you guys doing? Great, great.
2: Cool. Well, I just want to thank you guys for your coverage. I know many are going to do it today, but it was so much fun. And, uh, you know, the, the 12 hours on Twitch was uh was just awesome just awesome but it's it's really bizarre because like the whole second day was the the defensive line picks i didn't understand them initially and then obviously learned more but i'm just curious because i'm almost afraid to pinch myself because it does feel different it just it feels (laughs) it feels different to the past i'm just curious what you guys think and what you're interested in seeing over the summer
1: Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Dan, that's certainly not an uncommon feeling that I that I sense from a lot of people just say like a lot of people just feel like things are finally going in the right direction. Things are finally looking like they have a plan and they're setting out and doing it. And sure, I think a lot of that is a honeymoon period where we're all just like Brad Holmes seems really smart. It's awesome to see him go nuts in the in the war room and get the guy that he wants and, you know, not necessarily make any questionable picks like Jelani Tavai, things like that. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I guess we all have to kind of you know pinch our, like you said pinch ourselves and, and figure out whether this is real. We probably won't until at least I don't know November. But Eric, I'm I'm kind of curious. What what are your thoughts on just kind of the overall vision here and, and how it's played out so far?
3: It, it, the phrase I keep using with homes is aggressive but not reckless right mm-hmm. and, and that's the that's the general sense that I got from him in this draft is that he had a concept in mind he had players targeted that he that he wanted, and he was willing to go after him, but at the same time he has a uh war room full of experienced people advising him to you know be patient and and he listened and, and i'm not you know i it, it was it was it seemed very. You know, I, I keep pushing this whole family aspect, right? And that they're yeah. on the same page, and that they're listening to each other. But it, but it, it actually like appeared that way, right? Yeah. Um, it didn't seem like, it didn't seem like, you know, methodical or like, you know, like. Sh- on a, emotionless, right? Like I felt like we got that from the previous staff, and then heck, I mean, look—if you look at the war room, the Patriots war room, you, it was it was <laughs> void of emotion, right? And, yep. and that's what they were trying to replicate, right? So uh, I enjoyed seeing the emotional side of it. I enjoyed seeing the excitement, uh, the welcome in—you know—mentality that that they had. Uh, but I, I just. It, it has a completely different feel for me just because of – there's so many – he seems just invested, right? I don't know. It, it's, not a, it's not just a job. Before, it seemed like it was like, I have a job to do. This is the, what I'm going to do. My, this is my X plus my Y and this is going to give me my Z, right? And, but with these guys, it's – there just seems more passion, aggression, emotion and, and all of those things uh, make it a lot more exciting and a lot more appealing a, a, as a fan.
1: Yeah, I, I want to kind of bounce off of what you said there about the the aggression, but not reckless. Um, because yeah, I think I think you're making reference to a couple things. One, you know, the the Lions almost traded up both for Sewell and Levi yeah. um bas- Basically, Brad Holmes said like he thought about jumping up for both of those guys. And and I'll throw this one to Ryan because it, it's something that I is it, it's just like a little voice in the back of my head that's like, is that something I should be concerned with? Um, you, you're right that you know he had people around him that said you know. Maybe, maybe a little patient here, and he was, but is there a risk of him falling in love a little bit too much with individual prospects because I do feel like they got all of their guys it, it just so happened to fall where like they they say it all the time, like we got guys with grit, and you can see it in the press conferences, you can see it in their their style of play like these guys love football they're they're football character guys, but is there ever is there at least a little bit of a concern for for you that maybe like they they would pass up on other skills because they just they want those specific guys or they would maybe pass up on a trade down offer because they fall in love with one specific guy is that maybe a concern of yours at least a little bit Ryan
2: um do you want it to be <laughs> <laughs> um I, I don't I don't know I I, I I think that um what I like about Brad's approach is that he had his guys um yeah I, I know that um we I guess as Lions fans, we've seen that kind of blow up in the past, right? I mean, on Johnson is a Philadelphia Eagle now. That was the guy that Bob Quinn traded up in the second round to select. Um, but then at the same time, Deshaun Hand is the guy he traded up to to select later in, in that same draft. And um, while, you know, things have been both good and bad with him, like there there was a success period with Deshaun Hand. And there was, you know, a, a brief, albeit success period with on Johnson. And now he's... So, I, I get what you're getting at, Jeremy. Um, I, think, I think I'm think i kind of more so aligned with Eric in the sense that Brad Holmes trusts the people that's around him. Like, maybe this was, like, first draft. Maybe this was, like, first draft, kind of like honeymoon period with him where he's like, dude, I've done all this research, and, like, these are the guys that I absolutely love. Um, but at the end of the day, like, he still trusted the people that were around him, and uh, he let the board come to him. So... Um, Not a ton of concern. um, But then again, you know, we got to We got to see these guys play. And I know that we're not going to see that for quite some time. But um, that's that's really kind of I think what it boils down to.
1: I I think I think it's just like the the natural Lions fan in me, right? Like what what can go wrong will go wrong, right? Like yeah. there's oh, there's yeah. just got to have that little bit of warning still in the back of your mind, just just because of the history of this franchise. And I know that's not really fair to Brad Holmes, but um, to be clear, I'm I'm very happy with this draft class, and I I do I do commend, um, like like Eric referenced to, like he he got eager, but he he stayed patient, and that's that's important. That's huge.
2: I, I think in, if you want to sort of give him he, – he was able to do it in the, the fourth round, you know, and, and he had to pay a price for that. But sure. he gave us a six-hour gap in the day, didn't he? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. I was very thankful
3: for that. I can tell you that much. <laughs> thanks very much, guys.
1: <laughs> Appreciate the call, Dan. Uh, thanks for, for your continued support. Appreciate that.
3: I felt like that six-hour gap – went by in, like, the blink of an eye. <laughs> I, I'm not even joking. Like, I felt like I was, like, researching and, like, writing and, like, uh, trying to catch up on the guys that were, you know, getting drafted. And then, uh, you know, you look up and it's like, oh, there's only an hour left. I thought we were supposed to have six hours here. <laughs> like, it just, it just went very
1: fast. Yeah. It's that – I I don't know if fans realize just how much of a marathon that is for writers, but, yeah, it's uh, – a It's something it's, 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 it's kind of exhilarating and frustrating at the same time. I'm Um, still tired. I'm still tired.
3: I'm not even joking. (laughs) I'm sitting here and my body just is like, it feels like, like I'm almost deflating. I'm a, I'm a pool. I'm a inflatable pool with a leak right now. Like I am just sinking, but it's, it's, it's man. It's a lot of fun though.
1: It is. And if, if you want just like a, a sample of how, how much work it was. And it sometimes it's amazing for me to just sit and literally look at it. But we have a, a post on our, our front page called the full coverage of the lines 2021 draft class. And it's just like a list of 50 articles that we've written in the past week. Um, it's insane. Yeah. And most, most of it written in three days. So, um, anyways, let's get back to your questions. Uh, let's bring Mike aboard. Mike, how you doing, man? Oh, there we go. Yeah, I'm not yeah. sure what the
4: heck's going on with this thing. Hey, but hey, listen, <laughs> okay. guys, I, I say this every week. I, I talk to you guys, but I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate what you guys have done. Um, You know, I'm a Lions fan, approaching 40 years old. And, uh, you know, we had really good coverage. Um, You know, we, you know, when we, you know, we lost a lot when we lost Tom Killer kowalski mm-hmm. And you guys really picked it up. I think one of the best things the prior um, staff did was, you know, credential you guys and, you that. know, and adding it. You guys have, have really brought a lot to it. I think we were, it's no disrespect to the other guys. But we just—it just—we lost a lot with Tom. We never got it back until you guys started really making an imprint. So you, Eric, every guys—you guys are doing a great job. So thank you so much. I wanted to make sure you guys
1: understood that. Uh, I, I, those are really kind words, and to be even remotely compared to to Tom is uh, is definitely an honor. So I appreciate those words, man.
4: Absolutely. So, a hey, I, I I don't wanna I don't wanna take up too much time because I know it's a Saturday. We all want to get back to this. You know, we get these occasionally nice days here. <laughs> So, um, you know, I, I, I'm not, I, I'm not like, I don't hate the draft. I'm I definitely, I'm not one of the guys that are over the moon with it. I, I thought it was very, it was a lot of singles and doubles, and I think that that's what you need when you're rebuilding. Sure. But, um, I mean, the wide receiver position, guys, kind of talk me off the edge here. Like, like, what's the game plan here? Is there any free agents? Is there trade or anything? Because I, I just, I, I can't understand how you go into the NFL season with, Perriman and and Williams as your starting receivers it's it's just hard for me to understand that in 2021 you know that's where we're going to go at I know Hawkinson will step up and bridge the gap there but I just I mean that was such an alarming position I like I like Amon Ra St. Brown I really do I think he'll be a great slot receiver in a year or two but just kind of I don't know what your guys thoughts were you don't have to talk too much about the draft because I don't think you can argue with what the approach they took I just don't I just don't understand the wide receiver position. And, and I don't know, hopefully you guys can talk me off the edge and see what the options <laughs> are going into 2021.
1: Sure, yeah, no, I mean, I think if there was one consistent criticism of, of the Lions draft hall, it was that they waited all the way to the fourth round to get that wide receiver. So uh, I want to throw it to you first, Ryan. Um, Are, are you are you panicked right now over the, the wide receiver position, or is it just not that big of a deal to you right now?
2: Um, It isn't a huge concern to me because – you know, while the Lions don't have like a quote unquote, you know, number one wide receiver, they have TJ Hawkinson. So I'm just looking at I'm looking at the position as almost like pass catchers, right? And I think the Lions have a top flight pass catcher in TJ Hawkinson. Um, mm-hmm. When it comes to the wide receiver position, I think that that's something that can be built, you know, over the course of the next couple of years. Um, I, I'm not too I'm not overly concerned with it. Um, as you mentioned, I think Amon. Ross St. Brown. I think that he could, um, I think that actually he could, he could have a, um, he could have a surprising rookie season. I think that he's going to get a lot of play. I think he's going to get a lot of opportunities. Um, you know, I I keep on coming back to this point, like Jared Goff is the most interesting storyline to the lions 2021 season, um, without a doubt. So it's going to be interesting to see what Goff can do with this wide receiver core, and the offensive line that Brad Holmes has put in front of him. Like, Brad Holmes has set him up for all the success in the world when it comes to getting protected. Now, can Jared Goff elevate the play of these island of misfit toys, for, for lack of a better term, but like in the wide receiver room?
1: Good question and it doesn't seem like Goff is necessarily in the best position in terms of weapons obviously the investment in the offensive line will, will help him and we saw when that didn't when he didn't have that support in in Los Angeles that's when kind of his game started to to wind down i would say but eric what do you think the plan is at, at wide receiver and, and do you think it's it's feasible that they get good contributions or is there is there someone behind door number 3 that we're not seeing yet
3: no so when when you look at how they went into this draft, they had six of what that they turned into seven picks, and they probably had twice as many holes to fill as as they had picks right, so yeah. they had this best player strategy best player available strategy in order to just make the team as you know uh, you know stable and, and strong with their base as they can right so do they do I think while I do agree with you what you said earlier that um that uh, and uh, Sewell were probably the top two targets for them. I don't think McNeil was necessarily a top target because they had like Penicini in place. But when McNeil fell to them, they said – well, now we're going to upgrade this spot because this is where the value is. May, if McNeil wasn't there, if the Eagles didn't trade back and the Eagles took him, who knows? They might have gone wide receiver, right? So I, I think they just kind of took the guys that were there and they knew that there were going to be positions that didn't get upgraded. And I believe wide receiver is one of those spots. Now, if you look at how the Rams rebuilt their room, their wide receiver room a couple years back, they did it. By adding like two or three or, uh, thir- second and third round picks. They didn't do it by, you know, investing first rounders. They didn't, you know, they, they just kind of like threw a whole bunch of darts at the wall and tried to see, you know, who they could get to, to stick around. And, and I think the Lions are going to take that same approach or Brad Holmes more specifically. He's going to try and fill this out with, you know, uh, top 100 picks, but not necessarily spending Elite value on on, on a wide receiver. So the wide receiver room is going to take a couple of years. I don't think there's any getting around that. But like Ryan said, Hawkinson's going to be the feature guy as a pass catcher. As you said on on Lomas and Herman's podcast yesterday, they're going to be, uh, in addition to Hawkinson, they're going to be a run. They're going to be running a ton. And you've got two capable backs who can be pass catchers and can be runners. And I think that's really where the focus is going to be. And if you add in Now you add in St. Brown, who's going to be – who's a pretty reliable pass catcher who can also go over the middle. You're really utilizing your outside receivers to try and stretch the defense in order to create more opportunities underneath. And so that's what you're getting with these speed guys like in Williams and in Perryman. These are are speed guys that are going to keep defenses honest and they're going to get Hawkinson in one-on-ones. They're going to get St. Brown in one-on-ones. You're going to have to – Decide do you want a safety or or a linebacker on Swift, which is going to be a potential problem, right? And so, uh, I think they're they're they invested so heavily in speed because they're they the spread concepts are you want to stretch these defenses out from sideline to sideline, and you want to be able to stretch them deep to keep everybody honest and keep some lighter boxes. So I'm not overly concerned with the guys on the outside. I mean Williams, he's been a starter for what three four years now right yeah. and and he had one of his most successful seasons uh when he was with anthony lynn in, in uh with the chargers so i actually think williams is, is a legit starter i think he might be the feature guy perryman's got so much upside that he's i'm, I'm not overly concerned about about him either S- uh, st brown is a developmental guy but really the core of this offense i believe is going to go through hawkinson and swift and williams
1: yeah and and to just quickly add on that um I'm with you in that I don't think there was necessarily a game plan to, you know, a lot is being made of the lines built through the trenches in this draft. And that was their plan and building from the inside out. Like, I don't I don't think that was the game plan going. in. it was just like you said, those are the guys that fell to him. Ali McNeil was there, so they took him. Um, but the one thing I think you can keep in mind here is that there's certain positions that take a while to develop in the draft. and And, and this is, is a long term plan, plan, right? The wide receiver is not one of those positions that you can change your wide receiver room in an instant, whether it's it's finding a guy in free agency or or drafting a guy high. You can get instant. I mean, we saw with Justin Jefferson last year. You can get instant production out of those guys. So when the rest of the team is ready, the Lions can attack that in one offseason and I think completely turn it around. I mean, they basically did the inverse of that this year, right? Like they had a really good room last year and now it's not so good. You can you can do the inverse and uh, I, I think they
3: will. Well, look. If, if Williams or Perryman play well, and then you take that second, third round pick, which is going to be or second, first round pick at the end, which most people are saying Lions could go like wide receiver, that, your wide receiver room is turned over. Like if one of these guys hits, if one of these one year contract guys hits, and then you draft one in the top 100, you have you have three, you know, three receivers that are capable of contributing, and all of a sudden that room's turned over pretty quick.
1: Thanks, guys. I appreciate you guys. Have a- nope, you too, Mike. Appreciate it. Uh, let's don't go near break. any cliffs, though. <laughs> 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 All right, let's uh, let's take our second break here. When we come back, we'll close up our locker room podcast with your questions, our answers here on the Pride of Detroit podcast. Last segment here on our Locker Room Q&A podcast where we answer your questions live on the Locker Room app available on iOS devices. Let's jump right back into the calls. John is here. John, how you doing, man? Hi, hi guys. Can you hear me? Yep.
5: Okay. The um, With the minicamps coming up, the rookie mini camps. I just was wondering what your access was going to be, if it was the same as other years, are you to get any more access? are you going to have the chance to see any of their practices at camp or uh is it how's
1: it going to be moving along for you guys That's a great question John that I don't think we have the answer to yet um oh, okay. I, if if I had to guess it's probably just going to be zooms um they're they're still I mean they're still trying to figure out the NFL and NFLPA are still kind of butting heads in terms of what they're going to be doing anyways on the field and anything like that. But um, in terms of what we'd heard, we've we heard from the Lions, everything is still up in the air unless I missed something. Did I, Eric?
3: No, no. They, they've said that um – the, the same COVID r- protocols that we had last year during training camp are, are going to stay in place for spring camp here. Uh, and, and historically, we don't have a lot of access to spring camp anyways. Uh, if any, if we do get access, it'll be during the, the mandatory mini camp, which is in the early part of June, uh, eighth through the 10th is the window that they can, that we typically will, would get access to. But with the COVID situation, we may not and um there's still the possibility that there could we could see holdouts from different players cuz the NFLPA is still adamant about wanting everything to be virtual in the spring so uh yeah it's it's really up in the air uh and then as far as the fall goes i i again i i don't know if that's going to be open to the public in the fall it'll a lot will depend on what happens but if if, if uh it goes into the same pattern as last year we'll have, uh, the two of us will have access, um, you know, one of us will be there at least every day, right? So, um, we'll have full coverage in the fall, spring, though, yeah, it's just a big, uh, it's just kind of up in the air right now. All right,
1: appreciate the question, John. Um, If you got any more, feel free to jump back in the queue. Yeah, no problem. Okay. All right, let's jump to Dwayne. Dwayne, how you doing, man? Hey, what's going on, man? Thanks for Can joining you,
6: us. Yeah. Oh, man, thank you for having this, man. I'm a Lions fan in Philadelphia, man, and it's uh, awesome to be able to do something like this. Yeah, <laughs> so. H- How you enjoying all the former Lions over there? Oh, my God. I mean, my neighbor walked by and he's like, hey, what do you think about Darius Slay? Huh, huh, huh. It's just like uh, he's been quite injured. I don't know if you buy or beware. <laughs> so it, it's uh, yeah, it's it's been. Uh, and now that they uh, who did they just take now? Uh, on Johnson. Yeah. yeah OK, <laughs> let me know how that works out. <laughs> um, I'm overly excited about this draft. I, f- I feel like this draft is one of those things that just had to happen because of just this buffoonery that was the Quintricia era. And I honestly <laughs> feel like there's probably still five or six people that they could cut. So, um, I understand why they did it. And I love the video of the, uh, Eagles war room when we took Ali McNeil <laughs> and, and <Howie laughs> trying to pump up the troops. My question is the offensive line, though. I mean, I am over the moon excited about Panay Sewell. He is just an absolute road grader. But, um, and it might, it might sexually excite me that we get more than two <laughs> yards a carry. And you know, DeAndre Swift doesn't turn into, um, uh, uh, who's that kid from uh Cal that was uh really Javid good. best yeah Javid best man uh, that's just cuz I thought he was going to be really good but one of the two players or the two players that Dan Campbell said like you know hey who stands out to you he said uh Jared Davis and Vitae. and I'm kind of taking it like Vitae might not make the team um, they made no attempt to sign Jared Davis like when his you know, when they took over. And I'm starting to think that the same might be the same writing on the wall might really be for Vitae, instead of like this uh him being this road grading guard. If in fact he doesn't make the team, then who do you think would go into that guard spot? Because I've seen what a great line can do for like Mahomes and then for um uh New Orleans. And um, you know, obviously, with Dallas before everybody else there, and I'd love to have something like that here. So, if Tai doesn't make it, what do you think would be the plan for um, guard? Does Stenberg can he play right guard or? Uh, yeah.
1: It's it's a it's a good question because I mean, your your mm-hmm. offensive line is is only as good as your weakest point, and I think we can all point to that right guard position is probably the weakest point. I have uh-huh. some opinions on Tai. I'm gonna let someone else take the the reins first. So, who who wants to tackle this one first?
3: I'll do it. Okay, I, okay. I I I think Vitae is uh, he's going to get a shot, right? Um, right? He he has that road grading mentality, and by putting him a at, at guard, you are uh, not asking him to to work outside of his outside of himself, right? So I think it's it, it's a little bit better suited to his skill set, mm-hmm. uh, but. He's not going to be gifted the right guard position. And if he's not gifted it, uh, the next best player on this uh, offensive line is Tyrell Crosby. And, and Crosby, yeah. in all honesty, might be a better guard than Vitai. We just haven't had a chance to see it. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I've talked to Crosby in the past about his, you know, playing guard in practice, and, and he's always been kind of hush hush about it. So we don't really know a whole lot of what's been going on, uh, other than the fact that. He has been playing guard in in a practice setting. We've just never seen it in a game. But from a talent standpoint, I think he is talented enough to play that. But I'm I'm not ready to write buy, tie off just yet. I think okay. the big thing that got Jared Davis uh, out of Detroit is they paid him five point five million dollars, and there, I don't think there was any way the Lions were going to do that. So. Um, yeah. Uh, it being it's i, I think the vitae crosby conversation is uh is going to be very interesting as you mentioned stenberg uh yeah. based on what we saw last year uh, i don't think stenberg's going to be ready but again okay. a whole there's a whole year of practices that have gone on that we're not allowed to watch because mm-hmm. the access that we have to the Lions is just during ups during during the season we don't get the actual practices so um Maybe he has developed. Maybe he's made strides. You know, Matt Nelson mm-hmm. made strides when we weren't when we weren't ready for it. So maybe he did too. It, but right now, based on what I've seen, I, I'm not ready to to pencil Stenberg in there.
2: Okay. What do you think, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, Eric is such a smart dude that he just takes up all my awesome good ideas that I have in my head. Um, Tyrell Crosby's everybody's favorite swing tackle, right? But I think even. When Crosby was the pick in man, that was a twenty seventeen draft, right? Goodness yeah. gracious. It's been, in the fifth round, been yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. Um I think even when he was drafted, there was this idea that like, yeah, he was a tackle at Oregon, but he's probably gonna best project to the NFL at the guard position. So um, man, this is one thing that I've kind of come back to all off season long and, um, especially after the draft, when I think that there was this common misconception with a lot of fans that like, after this draft, we should be looking at the season, like the lions can go attack it. And, you know, I, maybe that was influenced by the Aaron Rodgers news. And all of a sudden, you know, there, there's this glimmer of hope that like, Hey, the NFC North is for the taking somebody grab oh it. But God. like, um, it's, 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 it's this wait and see approach because, you know, Brad Holmes has to, he has to pay for all of these sins that, as you mentioned that the Quintricia Trisha era just not so nicely left in his lap. So one of them is Vitae with a tackle contract playing guard. So, mm-hmm. um, I, but I, I'm right there with you, uh, Dwayne, like, I don't think that like just because he's making all of that money. If Tyrell Crosby is the better guard and he can play that position better than him, I don't see why the Lions would 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 choose a lesser offensive line.
1: Right. So that that's kind of where I'm... Okay, I'm I'm going to come to the defense of Jalapuli Vati Vati a little bit, and not just because <laughs> I've learned to say his name and I, I like to take a swing at it every time I can, but uh, I mean, you have to think about what last year was like for him because he came in all ready to be the right tackle of the Detroit Lions for the future. Then the Lions go through all these injuries. He has an injury of his own. Suddenly, he's a starting right guard with a foot injury. And a foot injury to a right guard will impact you quite a bit. Footwork is huge. Um, So, you got a shortened offseason. You've got a new team where you're switching positions here and there. You've got a foot injury. That's not really a good setup for success. No, I I get that, but I mean, again, living near Philadelphia, you know, I've watched this
6: kid. He was drafted um by the Eagles and yeah. he was supposed to be the uh tackle for Jason Peters whenever Jason Peters would go down. And right. he struggled mightily. It yeah. seemed like every time that they would put him in, whether it was left left tackle, left guard, he just struggled. And they made no attempt to re-sign <laughs> him um when his uh rookie deal was up, and then we grabbed him for ten mil. So right. it, I already had like a uh, question about why are we doing this? He, he sure. was a he was he's almost a, a Jared Davis like bust for the <laughs> Eagles. And now we're picking him up at a uh, really hefty price tag. And he comes here and does the same thing. Gets her. Can't, part- can't uh, contribute. And so that's why I just kind of had the question because he came up as yeah. one of the two that were noticed. And I'm looking at it more like, you know, maybe notice like, you know, your days might be numbered, <laughs> as opposed to um, right. we're building around you. But I, I still love the Sewell thing. So thank you for taking my question, guys. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, no problem. And, and just to to put a button on it, like I think everyone when that contract was signed was just like that seems like a lot for a guy who's never really been a full time starter. And right. and you're, I think everyone was right to question it at the time. The one thing I I'll, I'll kind of cap it off here is he's in a really good position to succeed this year because now he's got the highest paid center to his left and a, the seventh overall pick to his right. So he's got a, a good supporting cast that, that can hopefully raise his level of play. Admittedly, that's a lot of hope. That's a lot of just kind of blind faith. But uh, I think we should give him a, sh- a shot because I do think it's his job to lose right now. Okay. Well, thanks, guys.
3: No problem. I, I, I want to expand on something Ryan said because uh, I thought Ryan made a smart point that the contract of anybody I don't think is going to necessarily push them into a starting role. Uh, yeah. I think I think those contracts that were handed out by Quinn have no meaning to Holmes or Campbell. And if if you're playing better than the guy with the big contract – that guy with the big contract is going to sit. And I think that applies uh, universally across the whole platform here uh, of what the Lions say. Like, if Anza Werke starts outplaying Trey Flowers, Trey Flowers will be a rotational guy. Like, I, And right. that sounds crazy to say based on what he's making, but I, I think all bets are off when it comes to money. Yeah. I
1: mean, they, they took on $40 million in dead cap this year. I, I'm sure they wouldn't mind throwing another, you know, whatever it would be for, for Vitae, five or six million probably. So yeah, that's a good point. Tim Boyle season, baby. That's what I heard. <laughs> oh, no, I'm, just I'm just kidding. All right. Let's uh let's close things out with uh, Daniel, our last person on the request line. Daniel, how are you doing, man?
5: Hey, doing good here,
1: guys. Hey, so first
5: uh, an observation and um, and then and then maybe a more question. What one of the things I'm really noticing is that uh, in contrast to uh, the past, the lions are looking like a place that people would actually want to play. And it seemed to me after the, the you know, the infamous Owen 16 season that uh, it, it just would be kind of embarrassing to be a Lion and, you know, that the Lions would have to overpay to, to get good people in. And it, it just seems like Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes have, uh, you know, have turned this into a place where, we're you know it's not embarrassing people are going to want to come to play here we're you know we're not going to have to overpay um you know and although i don't really understand why it didn't seem to it should have been the case for quintricia and and they overpaid so that's got me hopeful about the future but um my question is i just i'm just curious what what did we learn about holmes and campbell's plans that that Maybe we didn't know. I think the, I think how you draft is one of the most telling indicators of how you're going to go about building a team.
1: So, does this confirm what we already thought? Does it change it? You know. Yeah, that, that's that's a good question. I mean, what what did we learn about this era, this regime of, of Lions football through the draft? Because I think there is probably a lot to to learn. Um, so, so Ryan, I guess, yeah, let's, let's just be like lessons that we learned from the draft about, uh, this regime. What's, what's like a main lesson that you learned over the weekend?
2: Yeah. So, um, you know, this goes back to a point that Jeremy made earlier, but, um, it's really clear that Brad Holmes prioritized two things, his board and athleticism. Um, and, and those were the two biggest takeaways for me, um, that he wasn't going to reach to grab a player, um, I think it was really funny. It showed showed kind of the sense of humor that Brad Holmes has, but also like his willingness to stick to his plan. Um, you know, when he talked about drafting Amon Ross St. Brown and saying like, you know, people finally got off my ass because I finally drafted a wide receiver after you know three rounds of not doing it. So, yeah. um, I, I, I I especially appreciated that. And the the big takeaway I think that I had from the draft was that. And I think it was even indicated with the back-to-back selections of uh, Onzer and and uh, McNeil. Was, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, back-to-back defensive tackles, yes, they, they play different positions. Um, they project to play different positions at the NFL, even though they, they both, you know, played nose tackle in college. But, like, that wasn't a position where the Lions needed an immediate starter. Um, you know, and take that in contrast to day one. You know, I, I think that... I think that was really what cemented it um, as Brad Holmes' first draft, where he's he's prioritizing this rebuild as something that's going to take some time and drafting the best player available. And we might see that approach change. Um, hopefully, we do see it change in in years in years future once the Lions have a competitive roster. Um, but it w- it was really refreshing to see him take the right approach, and that that's what I felt like I learned from the
1: draft. It's, it's interesting you say what you just said at the end there, because I, I asked Brad Holmes that specific question, whether this kind of best player approach, um, not anchoring yourself to need, is that something that was just kind of a reflection of where this team is at? Or is that your overall philosophy in the draft? And he said that's his overall philosophy in the draft. Now, he then he then almost immediately walked it back and said, like, well, you know, next year, if if there's an offensive tackle available, I'm not sure that he's going to be at the top of our board. But he did say, like, he, he they're not going to pass on their guys. That's the way he put it. They're not going to pass on talent. They're not going to pass on guys. And, I mean, I think we can all agree, and maybe this is my biggest takeaway, is that there's a very clear character profile of basically everyone they drafted, right? This high-intensity football guy, fun guy, smart guy, team captain types. That was basically every single person they drafted in this class, and so they're not gonna they're they're gonna make that the priority I think and yeah that might be might mean drafting positions that were not circling as the as the team's biggest need but um it's it's the easiest way I guess at least in their mind to just make sure you have talent on the team and that's something yeah. the lines have been la- lacking
2: yeah and one one other quick point before Eric jumps in um to, to go to go to what you just said Jeremy like they drafted athletic dudes for sure but they drafted athletic football players yeah like. They, they drafted football players. It wasn't like they drafted a bunch of like track athletes to play football. Like it's very clear, like you said, team captains, guys who are, you know, at, at the at the front of the front of the room whenever it comes to, uh, to meetings and things like that. Like they, they drafted guys that really just love playing football.
3: Well, look who's the smart guy now, man, taking what I was just going to say, right? I, I was just going to say they took football players who are athletes, not athletes who are football players, right? Like yeah. they, they wanted football players who are extraordinarily athletic. They didn't want a track star that's trying to learn to play football. They wanted a football player who could also maybe run track, right? And so this, uh, there, this – idea that they and you mentioned this as well jeremy they got guys that have a mentality of i want to beat the person in front of me and they got talented players who will punch you in the mouth right almost all of them i mean except for maybe melifanu who shouldn't be doing that the all the other guys are (laughs) punch you in the mouth type of guys right yeah they all are physical look even saint brown Is a physical wide receiver, right? He's, I mean, in 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 phase, not necessarily at the line, but um, these are the mentality all matches they, and it and it also kind of matches the free agents that they bought in because these free agents, you know, when we were talking to Raymond uh, the other day, they all he acknowledged they all seem to have chips on their shoulders, right? They're all guys who want to prove somebody wrong, and and I don't think anybody embodies that more. Then the seventh rounder in in Jamar Jefferson who thought he was going somewhere in the top 150 picks and then he ends up going, what, 227 and so he – he was pretty mad and I think that's an understatement. If if you remember <laughs> – if you recall the Zoom, he was yeah. – he was extraordinarily mad and um, he is – a very talented runner and he's, he's the least athletic of the group, but this kind of ties into that point that they care more about how you play football than, a, a, and then your necessary, like how you test athletically. Right. And so side note to, 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 Jump on! Everybody's talking about favorite Holmes parts. My favorite part of the, of Holmes's uh, press conference was when after, when he was talking about Jamar Jefferson, and he was like, "I should have worn my Pac uh, twelve sweatshirt, <laughs> right?" Because right. like he drafted all these Pac twelve guys. Um, but again, that wasn't intentional. That was but, like part of his strategy. But so, you know, I I think we learned you know the type of player that they're targeting as an overall roster I think we can apply that to free agency in the future I think we we can apply it into the into drafts more um it's going to make it harder as as an evaluator to identify players because you're not just going to be able to look at like RAS scores and be like hey that guy's going to fit the ras mentality of what they what they like you're going to have to start really starting to learn more about these players because they have a specific type of guy that they want to add to the roster
1: yeah, I think character evaluation, which is probably the hardest to do from you know the, the seat of your pants at yeah. home, is is definitely going to be a huge part of uh, of the evaluation for the lines for the near future.
3: I, I tell you what, when I was studying Anzuerke or Onzuerke, I didn't know that he was when we had a Zoom with him that he was going to go on a swearing tirade. <laughs> right. like, I had no idea about that. Right? <laughs> I looked at him as a player, and I'm like, wow, he's talented here, he's physical here, and but but we there's there's going to be an element. About these players that we just aren't going to have access to, yep. uh, and, and, and that that the Lions do, and and some of those things are going to stand out in their decisions uh, down the road.
1: Yeah, I mean, then, you know the the first zoom that they had with Onsarike, they they closed that zoom and they're like, "We got to get this guy. This is our guy, one
3: hundred percent." Man, he uh, he was very motivated. Again, yeah. all these guys, every that's the thing. Like they're all they all seem extraordinarily motivated.
1: Yep. Um and by the way just uh, if you want to learn more about Onsarike, he actually has a his own path to the draft YouTube series. Um just search his name on YouTube and he's got his own YouTube channel. I'm about halfway through it and it's very interesting.
5: Sounds anyway. like they're the kind of players that uh, maybe they're the kind of players that Dan Campbell was. They're the, yeah. the
1: team's going to take on the character of the coach. 100%. I think that's a great observation. That's that's exactly what they want in their players and uh uh, it, it's hard to argue with, well, hard to argue with the results so far, but we haven't really had any results, I guess. So we'll see how
3: it works out. But, and, and you know, D- Daniel brought this point up when he first started talking was that players are going to be interested to come to this staff. And I think it is the players that fit that then Dan, Dan Campbell mentality, that AG, you know, mentality. Mm-hmm. Those are the types of players that are going to want to be here. And that, you know, former players as coaches, um, is going to be appealing to a lot of NFL.
1: And, I mean, all you have to really look at is the comments made by Jeff Okuda this week of of how big that coaching staff full of greedy guys with, you know, chips on their shoulder, what kind of impact that can have. And, obviously, we have to wait and see whether it all translates on field, but some of the things Jeff Okuda said this week were were eye-opening and um, basically saying, you know, if, if I had the information that I've gotten from the first two or three meetings with, with with Aubrey Pleasant and and Glenn, I would have been a much better rookie. Like that's that's essentially what he was saying. If I had that information last year, um, it, which is
3: shocking. And I said this to you uh, privately after that meeting, after that Zoom, uh, he is – Akuda is not just a guy to shoot from the hip. He is a very purposeful and, and very clear message that he's yeah. trying to put out there. And, and there, was, there was no like, oh, I didn't mean to say that. He, he meant exactly what he said.
1: <laughs> yep. No question. All right. I think we're going to close things up there. Thank you for all the questions this week. Um, we'll be right back here again on the Locker Room app next week, Saturday, 10.30 a.m. Actually, now that I'm saying that loud, I'm not going to be here next week. So we might have someone else take over. We might do uh, a different day. So make sure you're following us on all the social media. We'll, we'll make those announcements. You can join our Discord as well if you know what Discord is. If you don't, forget about it. Um, but YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, we're all there. We'll, we'll all give you guys announcements for that. For now, thank you for joining us. Um, we'll be back soon. Uh, But until then, uh, it's chaos. Be kind.